your state, your team, your show. This is Sports Nightly. The triangle set to the top of the pattern. Now Spielman in motion to the near side. Rolling right is McCaffrey. Throws it toward the end zone. Wide open is Noah. Makes a catch. And it is a touchdown. Nebraska. Now let's check the pulse of Husker Nation with your hosts, Greg Sharp and Ben McLaughlin. Josh Hoekeman in for Ben again tonight. Ben's going to be back later in this week. Just uh, spending a little time with his new baby girl, as he should. But he will be joining us later on in the week. Delighted to have Josh with us. Austin, you just heard doing the ticker. He's back in our broadcast studios. We're glad you're with us here on a Monday. Hope you had a good weekend. Man, it's been hot outside, right? I mean, it's felt like midsummer time uh, over the weekend. So I hope you had a chance to get out and enjoy some of that. Maybe you were at a lake over the weekend. Maybe you just hung out by the pool. Maybe you just worked on the tan, got some golf in. Uh, whatever it was, hope you had a good, fun summer weekend over the last couple of days. The Husker football team, Josh, had themselves quite the weekend as they put out a little uh, uh, video last night of the guys out playing paintball, which is something that I've never done. I don't know if you or Austin have, but I've never done it. Kind of scared to do it, actually, but, but people who play it say it's a blast. And from the looks of the video, those guys were having a heck of a time. Oh, yeah. It looked like a lot of fun was had by all. I know there are a lot of jokes on social media about Damian Jackson, who, of course, was in the military. (laughs) He kind of dominated that side of things. But no, I I actually have played paintball a couple of times and it it is fun. Like it, it does hurt to get hit by a paintball. But as long as you have on, you know, protective gear over the eyes and everything, you feel like you're pretty, pretty safe. So I yeah, it it. It's a lot of fun, and but the, the course that those guys had set up, that looked pretty legit. They had all the different <laughs> obstacles and things to hide behind, and they were diving around, and, you know, I, it, it looked like a blast that they were having, and cool that it was caught on video, too. So, yeah, that, that was a fun team-building experience. It sure is. And, you know, after those guys have been apart for so long and all with everybody has been through since March with covid uh, to be able to get out and have a good time outside, look like a blast. We're going to have Jeremiah Searles on here in a couple of minutes. We're going to ask him about that and doing those type of things. I think he did some similar type things when he was a Husker playing for Bo Pelini at the time. But it sure looked fun. If you haven't seen it, go go uh, to the Husker football Twitter account. They put the video up. It came out last night and just looked like a lot of fun for the Husker football team. Now, tomorrow is a big day because the head coach is going to have a press conference a zoom press conference he's not going to have anybody else in the room with him he's just going to be doing what we've all kind of been doing for the last three months and that's a zoom with members of the husker media tomorrow so we'll play back clips of that tomorrow night anxious to hear what he has to say we had him on last week but i'm sure there's going to be just an awful lot of things that he'll get asked about probably asked about how the testing has gone uh, with the current football team, who's here, who's not, those type of things are probably all going to come up. But I'm anxious to hear it tomorrow to see what he has to say. And I'm sure a lot of media members can't wait to get some fire some questions at the head coach. Yeah, there, there's a lot of different things to cover with the head coach. And, I, you know, we had him on last week and were able to cover some of the big topics with him. But you can only do so much over a 10-minute interview. So I, it will be kind of cool. I also it's going to be interesting to see how that works with the, the zoom call being uh, the used as a press conference. I think that um, it, you know, how do 
how does that affect the questions that are asked? And is it the same thing as a regular press conference? I don't know. But it will be good, though, to hear from the head coach and to have him, you know, be able to talk to all of the media at once. Like you said, it hasn't happened since March. Like that is a long time to yeah. go without talking to everybody at, all at once. So I think that that will be big. And I, you know, he said with us last week that he's pretty confident that we'll have a season in some form or fashion. Um, but it will be good to hear from him to see if he has anything more to say on that, any more details of what he's been hearing. And then also, you know, some of the other bigger topics um, probably will address the Spielman news again and all that. So it, it will be good to hear from the head coach again tomorrow. You're right. The last presser that he had was the pre-spring practice presser. And then they ended up having two practices before it all got shut down so it's been several months since he's done a full-blown press conference we'll have the recap and the highlights of that tomorrow night earlier today governor ricketts had a press conference where he announced that the state beginning next tuesday next monday minus three counties uh, are going to go to what's called a phase three now phase three gatherings this is the part of phase three gatherings indoor gatherings up to 50 percent of occupancy a max of 10,000 people. So what that does is opens up PBA. PBA can start having concerts uh, up to 50, up to 50 percent of their capacity, which would be about 8,000 for a concert, which is a lot of venues could get through that. Arenas are going to open up. Theaters are going to open outside up to 75 percent of occupancy with a max of 10,000 people. So if phase three is in effect September the 5th, and who knows, we could go to four, we could drop back to two, then you would have 10,000 people at Memorial Stadium for a Husker football game. The part that grabbed my attention was he was asked, when do you think you could go to phase four? He said, if we continue the trend that we are going on now, I could see us going to phase four. This is the governor in late July. Phase four would not have a cap at all on outdoor activities. That would mean... But you could fill Memorial Stadium up for mm-hmm. the opening game of the year. That was huge. This was huge. Yes. And, and we all hope that we continue to trend in, with good news and not having a lot of extra people testing positive and we're not stretching our hospitals out a little bit. But that was a big announcement this afternoon by the governor. It was huge. And like you said, I feel like, you know, phase three is a step in the right direction and that's great. But you're right. What grabbed my attention was phase four. And there is obviously it's not just about football, but that's what we're talking about on this show. So that's what grabbed my attention too. you hope that things do trend in a positive direction or continue to do so um, for a lot of reasons. But that's a big one because if it, and he didn't put a timeline on what phase four, when that could possibly be necessary, like a hard timeline on it, like he did with phase three starting next Monday. But no matter when it is, that's, that is a huge step because uh, especially for football, like you said, because that's such a drastic difference. And there are a lot of things in phase three that are going to be a, a big difference when it comes to sports that will help out, you know, and have a lot more, allow for a lot more fans to be in the seats. But phase four, man, if you, if we get to that by football season and Memorial stadium can be full, then that's that's amazing. That'll be that'll be really good for a lot of reasons. And I think that's what we're all hoping for. Kind of fingers crossed right now. But I you know that just the news that we're again moving in a positive direction with that, at least in this state, is is great to hear. When I saw the phase three, one of the first things I thought of that we again, phase three, we go it goes into effect starting Monday is the Shrine Bowl, which is set for July 11th. 
That would be an outdoor event, and I have, I have to go double-check. I don't know that Kearney is one of the three counties not loosened up. I think Hall is. That's Grand Auto, but mm-hmm. I think Kearney is clear. So that would mean they could put 75% of capacity of UNK Stadium for the Shrine Bowl on July yep. 11th. That would be big. The Shrine Bowl people have to be ecstatic hearing that. Also, indoor, phase three, indoor, this is just starting Monday, up to 50% of occupancy, up to 10,000 people. If that's the phase we're in, in August, that would mean Husker Volleyball could put about 4,000 people in the Devaney Center for a match. 50% of capacity to Vanny Center. So right there, that's phase three. We hope to get to phase four by August. But for Husker Volleyball, that's a pretty big nod, too, that you can put 4,000. That would be the capacity of the old Coliseum, right? Wouldn't mm-hmm. it's, it's only half of Devaney, but it would be about as many people for years <laughs> used to go watch Husker Volleyball in the Coliseum. Right, and that's what it kind of seems like is that they're probably not going to start the season at full capacity, but there's just such a big difference, too, between indoor and outdoor and the different things that you can do can do with that. So I, I do think that even if they're at 50% or 75%, maybe eventually, that, you know, that, that will still be a home court advantage for the Huskers, and I still think that that, you know, you can, you can go about a season like that and still be fine financially and, and complete a season with that. So I think that, if, you know, John Cook, if he's looking at this, I think that he's going to be, be okay and can go forward with some plans and, and, and schedule some home games, home, home court games. And I think that's perfectly fine with what, with what that's going to look like too. He did an interview over the weekend with the Omaha World Herald where he did say they are already in conversations with UNO and Creighton to try to get them on a non-conference schedule, that they're trying to piece together a non-conference mm-hmm. schedule that would be bussable for either they go somewhere or somebody comes to Lincoln to play the Huskers. But the Phase 3 again that opens on Monday, if that is in effect in August, it would mean 50% capacity for the Vanny Center. I didn't, I didn't write it down in my notes. I don't know what Phase 4 indoors would be. I'd have to go back and dig that out. Also today, Husker men's basketball released their non-conference schedule for this coming year. Fred Hoiberg's second season as the head coach of the Cornhuskers. They will play an exhibition game against Peru State on Monday, November the 2nd. Their season opener will be on Tuesday the 10th against Cleveland State, whose head coach is Armand Gates's brother. Armand is one of the assistant coaches for the Cornhuskers. He is the head coach of Cleveland State. That's followed up with a home game on November 14th with Purdue-Fort Wayne. The Huskers then go to the Myrtle Beach Invitational that we've talked about quite a bit in the past. Uh, Come home on Wednesday the 25th to play Lamar. They are scheduled to have a home game in the ACC Big Ten Challenge that will be either November 30th, December 1st, or December the 2nd. They get Creighton at home on December the 12th. That is a Saturday. They go start a three-year series with K-State at the Sprint Center in Kansas City on the 19th, and then they wrap up the non-con with a Monday, December 21st game with UMKC and finish it off on Tuesday the 29th of December against Florida A&M. What were your thoughts when you looked through this schedule? Well, we already knew a couple of the games that were going to be on there. The Kansas State one, which is cool, that's going to be down at the Sprint Center in Kansas City, had already been previously announced, which I'm really looking forward to that. And then, you know, Creighton is on the schedule each year. You know, we're going to be in the Big Ten ACC Challenge. So you kind of knew what those games were going to be, but then the rest of them you didn't really know. And I I think that it makes sense. You know, you went with what uh, on paper looks like a fairly light schedule outside of those games. And obviously, 
we don't know what the who's all what the Myrtle Beach Invitational what those three games are going to be like but outside of those those games I you know I think that that's kind of what I expected it to be with a, another squad coming in that doesn't have a ton of experience playing together a little bit probably a little bit more than than last year just because last year there was absolutely no experience whatsoever so you're stepping in the right direction a little bit with that and I think that I'm you know I think that if the season goes on as it's scheduled, which we talked about uh, last week, that we're not 100% sure if that's going to be the case. You know, there could be a second uh, wave of this thing and interrupt the season. But if it does go on as scheduled, I kind of like this non-conference schedule, what it looks like and how it's going to unfold. You kind of can gain some confidence in places, but also challenge yourself in a couple places too. And I'll, I'll be curious to know what the who the ACC opponent is going to be. And it'll be cool to have that as a home game this year it's been on the road the last couple of seasons so that'll be fun too but um overall i think it'll be fun you know a lot of home games a lot of uh ways to you know be able to um get some confidence as you head into what would again as always going to be a really tough big 10 schedule yeah and to anybody who's going to sit there and go oh come on remember this is a program that won seven games last year they need to get some momentum Mm -hmm. build some confidence trying to piece together all these new faces in this thing i don't remember i'd have to go back and look the last time nebraska didn't have a true road game in the non-conference schedule they don't with this one you had the myrtle beach tournament three games there neutral side you play k-state neutral side in kansas city not one true road game in that non-conference schedule but there it is I think it's fine for year two, particularly coming off a seven-win season and all the new faces this team is going to have. Uh, that that's to me, fits where you are right now as a program, and you certainly know that and have confidence that Fred Hoiberg's going to build this thing up, that that thing's going to get beefed up quite a bit as he gets his program set and it gets better and better as a program. Well, we're delighted to be joined by our own Jeremiah Searles, who we have here each Wednesday night with a edition of Husker Huddle, where he sits down with a former Cornhusker. Jeremiah? Great to have you with us here tonight. I uh, hope you and your family are doing well. Absolutely, man. Been hanging out with the little man. He's walking now, so I'm in full chase mode. Uh, had to put all the <laughs> locks on the cabinets and the drawers, and he's getting into everything now, but it's been super fun. Very good. Well, hey, we've enjoyed hearing the, the Husker huddles. I hope you've enjoyed putting those together for us every week. Absolutely, man. It's been an absolute blast. I've got to catch up some with old teammates, which has been really cool. Um, different perspectives, and I love hearing former teammates' views on what they think Husker football is going to be like this year um, because it's who knows. It's, it's going to be a grab bag. So hearing former Huskers talk about what they might think and what they're doing now has been really, really fun to do. I want to ask you about team bonding activities, Jeremiah, because there was the Husker football account yesterday tweeted out a thing where the guys went out and apparently had a game of paintball and it looked like they were having a blast out there. How, how important are things like that to build unity and trying to build uh, cohesiveness within a locker room? It's huge. I mean, those things look like kind of funny to the outside world or they're not really sure what I mean, it's like, why are they doing that? How does that pertain to football? But, I mean, football is a brotherhood, and football is about having your buddies back and him having your back and really genuinely caring for those individuals. And sometimes it's hard to get 150 guys to do one activity where they're all common goal and working for something that's outside of football. So when you go do things like paintball or go to a movie or go do an outside community outreach event and you do it together, you start to build that brotherhood, that camaraderie off the field, which – then just strengthens the bond on the field. It's where you become like you can meet really good friends and 
you get views of different backgrounds of those were conversations start on the bus ride of like their different views on things and where they're from, what they do, what their parents do, what your parents do. And you just start to dive deeper into the relationship more than just true teammate. Do you remember cases like this when you played for Nebraska that you did group type things like this? Yeah. I mean, I remember Bo took us all bowling one time, which was a lot of fun. I mean, we do the, we went to the movies every Friday night before games, which was always fun because you got to go and then you talk about the movie, right? You talk about your viewpoint on the movie um, before or after the game and you get to show people that. And then um, the big one that I always loved doing with Coach Bowen, I'm pretty sure they still do it, is we would always go to the hospitals before Thanksgiving. And, like, you do that as a team. You do that as a community outreach event. And you get to dive a little deeper into the emotional piece of it. And then, I mean, the program was one that came in, which was not exactly a fun outreach event. Um, or a fun event to do. But, again, it was that team bonding, that unity piece of all together as one working towards a common goal, which if you can create that on a more fun environment when it gets to the nitty-gritty of football and gets down to trying to win football games, it's just second nature. You don't have to try and combat two things at once of can we get everyone to agree on one thing. Well, the the social posts they put out yesterday it looked like the guys were having a blast playing paintball, and I can, you know, it's probably hotter than Dickens when they were out there doing that yesterday. But oh my like goodness, having a lot of fun. Uh, you know, uh, Jeremiah, I was going through a big situation right now, and I don't want to analyze what's going on with them, but uh, some some there's been talk about you know poor comments being made inside of a weight room, inside of a locker room. Take me back to your playing days and talk about the banter within a locker room and how much is it poking fun at guys, trying to have fun with guys, but maybe right up against that line, but try not to cross that line. I'm sure there were situations you're like, ooh, that, that might have been a little too much, that comment from this teammate to that teammate. How much of that goes on? I'm sure quite a bit, particularly when you're in a weight room and you're trying to egg people on a little bit. Yeah, I mean, the locker rooms, it's it's the most unique place in the world. And whether the NFL or college, and I tell people that all the time, because you, you bring guys, and especially in college, you bring 150 guys from 150 different backgrounds and you shove them in a locker room together and say, you have to get along. And it's not like, oh, I don't want to get along. You have to at least respect each other to a point. And a lot of that respect and a lot of that fun does come at the poking fun of each other and making jokes and laughing and doing good activities and stuff together. But yeah, there's been multiple times. I mean, it's NFL and college. It's not both where you something said and everyone kind of goes on easy, like, Oh, I don't know if that's okay. And then they either hash it out. And I mean, there's been fights, there's been shoving matches, yelling matches, but at the end of the day, like you respect each other enough that one apologizes or it gets brought up in a team meeting and it gets discussed and worked through and you move forward on it. But I mean, that's, kind of how you're supposed to deal with problems is they get brought to light. You talk about it, you discuss it and you move forward instead of just drawing lines in the sand and saying, no, you can't do this because I believe this, you believe that you don't have to necessarily believe in what each other are saying, but there has to be a mutual respect factor in what each other is saying. And if you don't have a mutual respect factor among the entire team, it's doomed for failure. So I've been a part of a lot of those conversations and they've always ended in good, growth and good bonding again it kind of galvanizes guys and brings them closer together but there's definitely times where it can get uncomfortable in a locker room but that's to be expected when you got a bunch of alpha males shoved into a into a into a locker room and like you got to kind of sift through leaders and sift through guys that are not enough i mean too many chiefs not enough indians type of thing right no doubt 
Uh, the the anthem, uh, certainly when you were playing in the NFL, that was when the first time it came up about whether the, the Kaepernick situation, kneeling, you had obviously some divisiveness within locker rooms about that. The league was really strong against kneeling, protesting for that. Take me back. What was that like for you in your locker room when all that was swirling around a couple of years ago? Yeah, I mean, it was such a weird deal when it first happened because it kind of just happened out of nowhere. Um, Kaepernick took the seat on the bench for the first time, and then he talked with Nate Boyer, I believe is his name, that was an old, um, I want to say he was in the Army or Marines maybe, and told, hey, you, it's actually more respectful if you take a knee rather than sit down. And so then he took the knee, and then it was this big controversial thing. And I think Art, I mean, the Vikings said, we're not going to take a knee, but we're going to lock arms for unity and show our, our, our strength together. But for me, it comes down to I'm not really sure the NFL did the right thing and now flip-flopping and going back and saying, well, now you can kneel because we agree with you now. Um, I think that every citizen's right is you have a chance to kneel. If you want to kneel to protest police brutality, absolutely, then you should be allowed to. But I think the NFL then has a little bit more of it's like company time, so they do have a right to say something as long as you can or cannot. But it definitely was a decisive time. But, again, those decisive times brought out great conversations in the locker room. They brought up great conversations that allowed you to educate yourself from a different person's background off of what – because maybe – I mean, again, I was sitting there like, I've never had a really bad run-in with a police officer. And then you have teammates that talk stories of, well, I've had this run-in and that run-in, and it turned out this way, that way, or whatever way. And, I mean, it just allowed, again, an open dialogue to be brought forth, and then it, we move forward from it. And so to see where we've come back full circle now about three years, four years later, is very interesting to see the different point of views that really have just changed since that first time that Kaepernick took that knee. So you do remember conversations happening in that Vikings locker room in and around that time, don't you? Oh, absolutely. I mean, we had conversations about it of do we stand, do we kneel, like what do we do, what do we decide, and we ultimately decided as a team we would decide what to do together. And we decided we were going to stand and link arms, or if you wanted to stand and put your hand over your heart, like that's what you could do. Um, but we decided that if we weren't going to have one guy kneel, then none of us were going to kneel. Um, and so we decided that none of us were going to kneel with the Vikings. I mean, some teams decided to have guys, but then the NFL ultimately came out and said no kneeling. So that kind of put the, the ownership on the NFL of like, okay, we'll just do what, what they say. Um, but, yeah, there's definitely conversations, I mean, some heated conversations that got brought up about the whole idea of why are we kneeling versus what are we kneeling for, um, I think is what – and now it's become more clear. I mean, a lot of times people initially looked at it as you were attacking the flag, attacking the veterans, attacking this country. Um, but really it's to stand up for this country because they don't feel like the flag is being represented in the right way. And once you kind of have that conversation, which is the biggest thing, you just have to have those conversations, have those discussions so that you can understand everyone's viewpoint. Don't just, again, draw the line in the sand and say, you're disrespecting America, so I don't like it. It's like, well, why are they doing that? Why are they kneeling? Why are they protesting? And then if you can educate yourself, then you can make your own informed decision and you can decide to kneel or stand. The teams aren't together right now. I mean, they're still apart. I don't think there's been any OTAs yet. I think they, those may be coming. But don't you imagine this is going to be a big topic before we kick the football off in the fall for the NFL? Don't you imagine there's going to be a lot of these discussions going on inside these locker rooms? 
Oh, absolutely. It's going to be a very interesting because, again, yeah, they're all Zoom meetings right now, right? Yeah. So, I mean, there's not a lot of time to get, get it brought up. you got a two-hour Zoom meeting. The coaches aren't going to waste a lot of that time right now because they just every second is precious talking about the anthem. They're talking about X's and O's, right? They're talking about getting installs, getting who's going to be lined up where and how are they going to do this. And it's such a weird time. that I mean, once training camp comes around, though, that first preseason game is about to kick off, there's going to need to be a big discussion had so that there's no really de- decisiveness or divisiveness or people getting mad at each other on live TV, right? I mean, it's going to have to be discussed about, and I think that ultimately, in my opinion, the best way that it needs to be taken care of is by a team-by-team basis of, hey, what are we doing as a team to show our unity, to show that we're one together? Because, again, this goes all the way back to your first question about the Huskers and paintball, right? You have to have – in the NFL, all 90 guys in that initial preseason that gets down to 53 on the same page fighting for the same goal, no matter where their backgrounds come from, no matter where they stand in their beliefs and religion and politics or whatever, like that all goes to the wayside when it's time to step on the gridiron. You need to be ready to retrieve the common goal of winning a football game. And so you've got to make sure you eliminate those distractions beforehand and by coming to agreement as a team on what you want to do. The problem is I don't know if you're going to find a team that will all agree to stand or all agree to kneel. And in that, I think that's okay. But, again, you got to make sure that you have those discussions and you have those talks so that everyone can understand where everyone's coming from and be okay with it that, hey, I respect you and I understand where you're coming from and where you sit. This is where I stand with it. This is where I sit with it. And this is what I'm going to do. But it's no way, shape, or form disrespectful to whatever you're doing, whether it's kneeling, standing, hand over your heart, I think everyone should have their own opportunity to do what they want to do. Well, we'll certainly be following this as we get closer to kickoffs coming up here, hopefully in about two months. All right, coming up on Wednesday's Husker Huddle, you're going to sit down with Blake Lawrence. And, boy, he's right in the middle of all this name image likeness. I know you have already recorded this one for this Wednesday night. What stood out to you about your, your chat with Blake Lawrence? Yeah, I mean, I had a great discussion with Blake. He's such a smart guy. Um, he's a, he's hilarious, first of all. But, I mean, he's such an educated human being when it comes to the name, image, likeness piece because he was really before his time with this. And we get, we get into that with this conversation. I mean, he started Open Doors in 2012 when no one really understood what that even did, was talking about monetizing social media value to now everything from advertising to – building a brand everything is via social media and so he has all this back research on it and then for him to be able to put actual numbers and data into why certain guys make certain amounts of money based off of so much um data followers engagement is just awesome and super he gets super technical with it which i love talking about how important all this stuff is so it's a super good listen you get super informed on the name image likeness argument which there's so many arguments for it against it it's just a really good, factual, informative piece on what they're doing, especially at Open Doors with the NCAA. Well, great. We'll look forward to hearing that on Wednesday. We certainly have enjoyed all these. Jeremiah, thank you so much. Have a great week. Absolutely. We'll talk to you guys soon. Go Big Red. And Jake Muehlheisen is joining us now on our Woodhouse Auto Family Sports Nightly Hotline. Jake Muehlheisen, how the heck are you? Greg, I'm doing pretty good, man. How are you? Good. I hope you and your family are all healthy uh, fighting through this. How wild is it, Jake? To think back to March and that you and Kent called practically the last college basketball game of the year. I mean, isn't that crazy how that worked out? It was it was nuts. And uh, 
I don't think anybody saw this coming quite to the extent that we've seen, but, you know, sitting there in, in Indy, Kent and I looked at each other and go, man, we're going to get stuck here for two weeks. And then all the, uh, obviously, um, things transpired. We got home, but, uh, yeah, we basically called the last, uh, college basketball game of the year. Crazy, crazy stuff. And just, just heartbreaking to not have March Madness, one of everybody's favorite sporting events of the year, to have that taken away from the players and the fans who of those teams that made it and deserve bids. It's just a shame that that took place. A lot has happened with the Husker program since that night in Indy where you and Kent signed off a, a complete, almost a complete makeover of this team. What do you make of the roster that, that Coach Hoiberg and this staff have put together? You know, I think they've done a really nice job of adding adding some pieces, and and you know, I think the the guys that we have returning uh, from last year, uh, mainly Ivan and Thor, you know, they're going to be big pieces. And I think uh, with the with the guys that we had coming in, the transfers, uh, there's a lot of experience on there. Obviously, they haven't played for Nebraska quite yet, but there's a lot of games under these guys' belt, and uh, I think that'll help a ton going into this year where you, you didn't have the the typical. Um, summer summer sessions and, and things like that where teams are together and playing and getting to know one, know one another off the court and on the court. So I think it's going to be a, a big positive for these guys to have the experience that we have. And I think, you know, the guys sitting out last year, Shamil Stevenson, Derek Walker, and Delano Banton, they've been in the system. They know it. Um, and we're going to be big. We're, we Obviously, we didn't uh, do a great job rebounding last year, but we're going to have some athletes out there that can rebound and push the – push the basketball down the floor and it's going to be exciting to watch how much fun do you think it would be to play in that system well i think it'd be awesome i think uh i think coach hoiberg and his staff put these guys in 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 spots where you know they can really really thrive and uh you know look at a guy like delano banton where he might start at the four for us this year and and then when uh when somebody subs and he might slide to the point guard but he puts guys in spots and what i like about if 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 Thor hits a three like he did last year, you know the next set down the floor, he's they're running something for him just to get guys in a rhythm uh, and score. And I think they have the green light uh, anytime they want, but it's it's imperative in the system that we have rebounding. We didn't have that last year, and I think we have the the guys that can do that now and, and finish at the rim. We got to the rim a ton uh, last year as well. But we just didn't do a good job uh, of converting those those bunnies. So you got guys got you know Teddy Allen and, and Delano and and uh, Shamil Stevenson. You know, Kobe King coming in from Wisconsin. You know, we're going to have some some height and some length, so hopefully those guys can, can finish at the rim. You know, I, I know it was a really disappointing year, very light on wins, and yet most games, not all, but most games, that team was right there, hanging around, leading at halftime, making a run in the second half. I, there were moments where you're going, I don't know how they're getting it done because I, they weren't the most overly talented team. They are one of the smallest teams in America, and yet – a lot of games, Jake. They were kind of right there. If they just had another playmaker here or there, a little bit bigger guy for this spot, it could flip the, the the flip the script on that game. And so I don't know that they're as far away as some people think. You saw them night in and night out. What what do you make of how quickly can they close a gap in the league? I think they can. And you, and you hit it on the head where you know we were in games that you know quite frankly we probably shouldn't have been, and we were undersized and. Uh, and, and didn't have the, the guys um, that, that Coach Hoiberg really wants and recruited. But they did a great job as a staff putting together a, an offensive game plan, and then Doc obviously doing a great job on the defensive end. And then you have to give credit to the players for buying in. They never gave up. And you saw that from the entire conference season when we were uh, you know playing Northwestern at home for trying to get out of the, out of the cellar of the Big Ten, but they always played hard where they bought in the system. And 
I think that's what's going to transfer over to, to next year with the three guys sitting out. You have Ivan and Thor coming in, and they, those guys are, are extremely high IQ basketball players. And then you have some, some really good experience filling in the gaps. So if those guys get in here this summer and really watch some film, learn the system, and they all buy in and, and, and play you know, uh, non-selfish basketball, I think the gap is not that great. I think these guys can come in and, and make some noise and com- and just looking at, at on paper, uh, we're going to be much more competitive here in uh, in twenty and twenty one. Visiting with Jake Muehlheisen, Husker color analyst for Husker men's basketball here on Sports Sunday. Okay, the non-con came out today. What'd you make of of the the non-conference slate? I think it's I think it's good. I, I like I like the first couple. You know, at home. Um, some winnable games, obviously, and then you get to go on the on the road at some neutral sites in Myrtle Beach. There's some there's some good teams there. You, know, you got Mizzou, you got Utah State with with Craig Smith uh, there. So we're gonna have a big test there at a neutral site. Um, and then obviously we have Creighton at home this year. They're gonna be really good. Um, they're in mid December, so that'll be that'll be fun to have at, at PBA. And then it's it's gonna be fun going and playing against K State again. I think that's awesome that we're. Uh, playing some old Big 12 teams and getting that going again. Hopefully that continues. You know, maybe we can get some uh, get get KU back here or, or Mizzou or even uh, play Iowa State again. But I think the I think the non-con slate is really good. I think it gets some games early that we can get some confidence and 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 play a lot of guys. Um, hopefully, and then you go on a, a neutral site game in November and uh, play some really high quality uh, high major teams. You know, you got a chance to play two old Big Eight teams. Missouri's in that tournament, as you mentioned. I, I wouldn't be shocked. They haven't put the pairings out yet, but it would not shock me if they matched Nebraska and Missouri up in that first round. That would be fun to see them. And I'm with you on the K State series. I know it's going to be neutral site, then home and home. I think that's fantastic. It's an easy trip to make. You can jump on a bus, be there in a couple of hours. Uh, the the two schools have played for 100 years. I think it's great that that's back on there. And you're right on Creighton. Creighton's going to be a really good basketball team. And I'm glad to see the ACC come back here. I, mean, I think you guys had back-to-back road games in that ACC challenge. Yeah, we did. And, and it'll be interesting to see who we get matched up with. But it's fun to play, you know, against the other high major conference and, and having, having the ACC team come back here would be awesome. I just, you know, you, we don't know, you know, what's going to happen as far as fans go. But I just hope that, uh, the fans are able to go watch these guys and, and really get to PBA. I think once we get off to a really good start, I think that's going to be a really tough ticket to get. And I think the atmosphere at, at PBA will be great, and uh, I think it's going to be a really fun brand, brand of basketball to watch with the with the guys they brought in. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited for it. I think it's uh, the, the non-con slate is really good. It, it sets up good for this team that um, you know hasn't played a lot of games in a Nebraska uniform. Get out there and. Get some experience in front of the in front of the Husker fans, and and then uh, go play against some high quality opponents. Have you have you been around many guys that improved as much as Thor did last year, Jake? I mean, the the, the monumental leap he made from one year to the next seems like it was a Grand Canyon jump for him. It was. I mean, you just you look back at at his uh, his sophomore and junior season. He obviously played out of necessity at the end of the year, his sophomore year, and played well for us, but. You know, I don't think anybody saw the jump that he made from 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 year to year. Where you know he was a guy that that Hoiberg and those guys could count on. He was consistent. He he was and he's he's an underrated defender. He's not the most uh, fleet of foot, and and but he's really crafty and stay in front of his guy. Uh, gets a lot of steals and he makes plays for his teammates in the offensive end. And just his improvement in shooting uh, was tremendous. So it, was, it just showed how hard he worked in the offseason. And you know another guy too. We talked about Ivan Wedrago, where from start to finish uh, last year, he improved tremendously as well. So hopefully 
he's in the gym working out. So I think he could see a huge jump from his freshman to sophomore year as well. Jake, is he is ideally he a five or a four? I think I think Ivan's probably more of a five just because he can't stretch uh, yeah. the with his perimeter shooting. Uh, but he you know he he has a good a good looking stroke. You saw that at the, I mean, obviously he didn't make a high clip at the free throw line, but it didn't. It's not like it was ugly, like uh, like trying to watch Shaq at the free throw line or something like that. It was actually. <laughs> it looked like it was. It looked like it was a good, confident stroke. So I, I guarantee he's working on that. And but I think he's more of a five, uh, back to the basket, maybe stretch out to ten, twelve feet. Um, but he showed some. He showed some things there later in the year and what he can. What he can become. Very good. Well, hey, uh, a little birdie told me, I, I don't know, that, that there's some good golf courses around Myrtle Beach. Is that is that accurate at all? Would that be maybe part of the game? Because you do have a day off in the middle of that tournament down there. Now you're putting some good ideas in my head. So I, I haven't even got that far yet. I'm just happy to be out of the house getting out and about right now. So I haven't even got that far yet. But that's a dang good idea. I'll have to look into that for sure. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's interesting because it's a Thursday, Friday, off day Saturday, and then you wrap it up on Sunday. I think it's because ESPN takes a break on Saturday and does college football, and then they come back and pick up these tournaments. So you you got a whole off day at Myrtle Beach. There's got to be something you can find to do that day. Now, whether you can get Ken out of the hotel room, I don't know. But you shouldn't well, have to stick around and lay awesome. around the hotel. You know that he's 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 always he, you know he's always telling me that he's grinding with his with his getting uh-huh. his spotting board ready and all of his prep work. So. I'm going to guess that I'm not going to get him out of the hotel room. <laughs> Jake, we appreciate it. Good to hear from you. Uh, stay safe, stay healthy, and look forward to some hoops coming up here in a few months. Yeah, thanks for having me, Greg. Appreciate it. We're back. Sports Nightly. Here on a Monday night, Greg Sharp, Josh Hookham, and Austin Orman. Time for this week's Weekend Winners. Josh, you want to lead us off? I will lead us off. My Weekend Winner is Dave Revson and a few people that he tweeted about over the weekend yesterday he you know he put together a thread on twitter he's the you know the btn studio host he talked about some family friends that he had and their kids who lived in chicago and were going to get married but then had to, were going to postpone the wedding but they decided to go ahead with the wedding anyway and asked if they could have the ceremony in the backyard of the Revsons. and so that ended up happening. They had a, a wedding ceremony, and and like Dave said in his tweets, it, there's been a lot of people over the last couple months that have had weddings that have either been postponed or they had to go have had to go through with smaller ceremonies than they had planned. And so, just to be able to be a part of something like that is pretty cool. So I saw that story over the weekend, and it you know it reminded me of a few uh, family and friends that we've had over the last couple months that have had to get married and and do that in a much smaller way than they had had planned but still making it a special day and doing it with uh close family and friends is pretty cool you know we talked about in the in the first hour of the program about how the governor made the announcement today we're going to a phase three starting monday that's going to open up for some dances for weddings so if you've got a wedding after next monday it's looking better and i know there's still quite a few of those for the summer june's a big month obviously for weddings but yeah, that has really played havoc with a lot of people's lives that are in that stage of their lives. So I'm glad you threw that one out there. All right, also, what do you got? Weekend winner for me is Midwestern MLB general managers. If you look at the MLB draft process, obviously it's only five rounds, but a lot of the, the general managers outside of the coast really cleaned up on a lot of players. A lot of the you know Texas teams, the two Missouri teams really cleaned up. Uh, Chicago did as well. 
they're, they kept signing players in a time when all these people are, you know, cutting their, their minor leaguers or thinking about getting rid of teams or not paying them. You know, these, these, these teams are taking chances on more kids, five to seven more kids, which, you know, doesn't seem like a lot in a draft that's usually 40 rounds, but they're doubling or even sometimes more than doubling their draft class, picking up all these undrafted free agents. So that's just good to see there's some hope, there's some goodwill left in baseball. And as a Royals fan, I'm partial. I'll credit Dayton Moore for getting five of those undrafted free agents that are in the, the Baseball America Top 500, which was the most of any team. And the one that wasn't was number 20, uh, according to Baseball America, in their top undrafted seniors list. So Dayton Moore cleaned up. He's providing me some some sliver of hope for baseball yet. No, I agree. They did have to cap those signings at $20,000, which is quite a bit down from what it's been in years past. But you're right. Particularly the ones that are seniors and their eligibility was up. They could have gone back to college for one more year, but they're ready to get out and give it a try for that. So, yeah, Dayton Moore's earned a lot of brownie points around baseball. I always come up with two because I'm worried you guys are going to steal one of my first two. I didn't. So, Austin, you're the double-up guy. Am I okay if I give you two? Oh, gosh. I would have to have to think. I mean, <laughs> there's golf going on I didn't watch a whole lot of. Well, that's one of mine. It's the okay. PGA. What a terrific yeah. thing that was. One, it was a great field. It was almost almost every major player in the world, minus Tiger Woods, played in it. It was terrific leaderboard, really good golf. It did not bother me at all watching with really no fans. I mean, yeah, it would have been nice after guys make a great shot. You hear some applause, but it didn't bother me, and it was great theater. It was so wonderful to see them get back out there and get something on, on live TV. So that, that a, a tip of the cap to the PGA. They may have even been a week or two too late doing this, but that's fine. They're they're up and going now. And they're gonna you're gonna have golf now every week mm-hmm. uh, through the end of the fall for uh, the for the uh, PGA. My other one is the country of New Zealand. I don't know if you guys were following this, but they have not had a COVID nineteen positive case in weeks. In fact, they have now opened things up. They had r- professional rugby matches going on this weekend. Twenty thousand fans packed the stadiums. No mask, no social distancing, fans cheering, drinking, pop. <laughs> yep. uh, so they, they have had remarkable success with the coronavirus. They're back to normal down in New Zealand, so good for them. Somewhere in the yeah. world has it completely in their control, and they're back playing professional rugby down in New Zealand. It, it, it gives you hope. And now I've realized that they, they have a completely different situation down there than we do here. But at the same time, it's that's awesome. Like It just gives you hope that they can, that they can completely eradicate it from the entire country and then they go about life as normal. It just It's good to see. Fantastic. Hey, our Sports Nightly Hotline brought to you by the Woodhouse Auto Family, bringing you more choices in brands, locations, and service. Experience the difference. Purchase with confidence. This is Woodhouse. Again, tomorrow, Scott Frost with his first press conference in three months. We'll have the highlights for you tomorrow night here on Sports Nightly. Also, it's a Tuesday, Top 10 Tuesday coming your way tomorrow night. We'll be looking forward to that. It's Austin and me on SNBL as we get the the DSs underway tomorrow. That'll be fun, right? Good luck, boys. You too. I'll keep you separated. (laughs) All right. Thanks. I don't have to look at Ben for a while, so I can beat up on him (laughs) until he gets back full time. Good point. What a good hour. Thanks to Jake Muehlheisen for spending some of his Monday night with us here on Sports Island.